Thank you so much, Dave. Man, what an uh, honor to, to hang out with some mighty men of God, mighty men of valor. I do feel like, though, as I was looking at uh, some of the speakers that you've had, I feel like I've been set up a little bit uh, because I noticed um, a dear friend of mine who uh, was here last month, uh, Pat Williams, who is absolutely amazing, who's written like a million and one books and uh, is still writing. I'm just like, okay, thank you, Dave, my friend. I thought we were friends till I saw that Lou Holtz has been here. Okay, thanks, that's great. And uh, you had all these amazing people, but what an honor it is to, to hang out uh, with you guys today. As uh, Dave shared with you, um, I'm here from Atlanta. I'm a new Floridian. My wife and I, we're a new Floridian as of two years ago. Uh, we came down and we met this lady named Irma. And, uh, and so um, I'll never forget, you know, coming down. We've not been, you know, we, we're, in it, we're from Atlanta where, you know, we shut down our schools when it's going to be too cold or we have snow flurries and all that stuff. And so that was about the extent of the drama, the storm or weather drama. And so we came down and, you know, Irma was going to hit on the East Coast, then the West Coast, and then, you know, you have your very, um, your very descriptive meteorologist who just says, it's coming down the center, get out, get out, get out, All right? And, uh, and so we didn't, and uh, we stayed, and it was amazing, and I was the, the, the uh, crazy middle school uh, kid who's outside on our balcony trying to take pictures, you know, because it's all for Instagram. And, uh, and so, um, but it was, it, was, uh, it was amazing. This was the first time that I had um, really kind of been a part of a culture where alligators were residents. And, um, and so, I mean, it's, it's just been an, ex an incredible experience. I, uh, my wife and I, we have three amazing boys. Um, our oldest is 23. He just graduated, praise the Lord, from uh, <laughs> Kennesaw State, has uh, his degree in uh, mass communications and a minor in uh, film and media broadcasting. And so I figured I'd wait a couple of months and then send him an invoice for all that we paid. And, um, <laughs> And then we have our, our middle son, who is 21. He uh, is a junior at Kennesaw State, also a mass communication major. And so uh, he's, he's a great dude. And then our baby boy, 16, uh, he's at Windermere High School. And so I was just telling some of the brothers earlier, man, my wife and I, we were so excited because two more years, we're empty nesters, and we're going to get an RV. Yes, even as black people, we're going to get RVs. <laughs> and, uh, and we're going to drive across the country and uh, enjoy life together. And so, uh, man, so so honored to, to be with you guys. I currently, you know, I was a pastor in Atlanta and then uh, came down here serving an organization called Student Leadership University. Our office is right here off of um, Turkey Lake and Sand Lake and Dr. Phillips. And what we do, um, because my PhD, my, I'm pursuing a PhD in organizational leadership right now, and so I love to discuss leadership. And so even as we look uh, this morning through um, um, God's Word in Ecclesiastes 8, we want to kind of look at it through the lens of a leadership perspective, right? And uh, so what we do at Student Leadership University is we just take students around the world, we teach them the rules, tools, and nuts and bolts of leadership. Uh, we want to teach them um, not what to think, but we want to teach them how to think. Unfortunately, we live in a world where um, this generation has kind of lost the art of having critical thinking skills. 
And so we want to give them that. And uh, I'm putting this on my little timer so I don't, you know, we preachers, we can go a long time. And, uh, and so, uh, but, but we take them through this journey where we want to teach them, like I said, the rules, tools, and nuts and bolts of leadership. And so we do a four-week uh, journey, just kind of introduction to leadership here in Orlando. We do one in San Antonio, Texas, and then also one in Southern California. And there, they're just going to learn the basic introduction of, of what it means to be a leader, how to start the journey to become the best version of themselves. Second level, we take them to, uh, to Washington, D.C., and so they're going to learn leadership through the lens of our local government. They'll uh, be able to go to the press club, see all of the national monuments. They'll hear from great men of God, like a Chaplain Black, who's the chaplain of the U.S. Senate. Uh, they'll be able to um, kind of experience what it is to have like a Pentagon brief. And it's really, really a cool experience that uh, we do for our 201. And then our third level, the 301, we take students to Europe. So we'll go to, we'll take students to Paris, London, Oxford, and Normandy. And there we want to teach them leadership through the lens of world history. So they're going to hear a lot about Winston Churchill, uh, um, C.S. Lewis, John Wesley. We're going to see if the Queen's in town. You know, we're going to go to Paris and we're going to break their, their ideology of thinking Paris is amazing. They're going to see that Paris is dirty and the people are rude. And, uh, and so, um, uh, uh, and, uh, and so we'll, we'll take them there, but we're teaching them, again, leadership through the lens of world history. And then our fourth level is um, our 401, um, and we take them to Israel and Jordan. Because as an organization, fundamentally, we believe that leadership begins at the feet of Jesus. And so um, and it's an incredible experience to baptize our students in the River Jordan and to pray over them in Shepherd's Field. And so uh, that's what brought me here to Orlando. But during my time here in Orlando, um, I've been able to meet some incredible, incredible uh, people uh, like uh, Dave and, and now all of you guys who are here. And so I'm just so humbled and honored to, to hang out with you guys. So I want to pray. And uh, then I'm going to jump right into our time together. I know we have, but if you will indulge me, let me just pray for you and our time. Jesus, we love you, and we're so grateful that you loved us so much that you would give us all you had through your life when you died on the cross. Thank you that even before the foundations of the earth, even before you spoke, God, a word in, in John 1 and 1, when you said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, you knew in your sovereignty and your greatness that we would be here uh, this morning. And so I thank you for every man that is here. I thank you for their heart, their passion, their life, their influence, their families, God. And I just pray a special blessing over them today. Thank you that even though this is the first time we're meeting, God, that I feel a sense of brotherhood in this place, God. And I know, God, that we are better because of um, this band of brothers that are here in this room uh, this morning. So bless this time that we'll have and bless um, what we will discuss this morning. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen. 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 
And so, you know, when we think about, I love the book of Ecclesiastes because, you know, Solomon, you know, really kind of dropped some golden nuggets all throughout the book. And as I was really reading and studying and preparing for um, our time this morning, you know, I was thinking to myself, you know, what would I want a 20-year-old Jeff to know, right? What would I, if I could go back in time and, and talk to that, you know, that guy who, you know, uh, turned down, you know, uh, three scholarships to go to a college and to pay his, pay his way through there, stupid. And, um, um, or I can talk to that guy who actually ran in the streets with, because he adored his big brother who was gang banging and, and just out there doing some crazy stuff and, and, and running in the streets with, with his big brother. If I could talk to that young man who wasn't always um, a godly man when it came to how he interacted with young ladies. You know, if I could talk to that young man who, you know, was in church, but, you know, the Holy Spirit wasn't in him. He was the person who could wear a mask, and he was, you know, a person who was not as authentic as most people believed as a teenager and a young adult. If I can go back into time and talk to him and talk to this uh, young Jeff Wallace, what would I say to him? What would I want him to know? What are some, some critical uh, life skills and life lessons that I would want to share with him? And I, as I began to ponder through that, I even wanted to know what would I tell Jeff to help him become a better leader, help him become a better version of himself. And so as we look through Ecclesiastes, you know, um, in particular chapter eight this morning, you know, that's kind of where I wanted to kind of jump into our, our time to, today. And so so if you will indulge me, I know you guys have had some incredible conversation already about um, Ecclesiastes, but when I think about Ecclesiastes from um, a glance, we know that this is a book that was written by Solomon. And obviously, and Solomon was a guy who had a lot of abilities, he had a lot of assets, he had a lot of things that were really kind of far greater than what we have. But yet, Ecclesiastes kind of provides for us like this roadmap that delineates where um, the human quest, you know, kind of kind of moves through a place where we understand that apart from God, the quest that we're on, it really is null and void and it ends. And so that's what we know about Ecclesiastes. We also know this truth that since we have all, regardless of phase and stage of life, since we have all been created in the image and in the likeness of the Lord our God, we know that um, that nothing, nothing outside of him is really authentic. We know that our deepest longings really cannot be satisfied. They can't be satisfied without a deep, authentic relationship with, um, with the Lord. In my uh, PhD course, one of the things that we discuss is a lot of different leadership principles, practices, and approaches. And we look at leadership through a social science and scholarly approach. And one of the many uh, leadership theories and practices that, that we'll discuss is this theory of true authentic leadership. And authentic leadership through the lens of social science, gentlemen, really speaks to what we already know, that if you're going to be an authentic leader, you must be one who is willing to be open, to be transparent, 
to be vulnerable and to be honest with yourself. Because if you can't be honest to yourself, then you won't in turn be honest with others. And if you are not honest within yourself, then you will you will not lead in a very authentic way. And, uh, and so it's important that we understand authentic leadership from a social science is this you know, through this narrative, but authentic leadership through the narrative of the gospel says this, that apart from God, simply, we can do nothing, right? And so, so this is what we know about um, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes from a glance. But now let's think about it, because again, I love leaders, leadership stuff, and, uh, and we have great leaders in this room. And so from a leadership perspective, what do we know? That, that Solomon had both resources and he also had drive in his life. But in the pursuit of pleasure, in the pursuit of wisdom, in the pursuit of work and wealth and power, you know, what happened is he came up empty. And let's, let's pause for the calls for a minute. As men, what is our ultimate goal as, as men? I mean, we are created, we are created in the image and likeness of God, but in the natural, what do we want? We want to be successful. We want to be powerful. We want to be influential. We want to be good husbands, good fathers, good businessmen, good business owners, good employees, good employers. We want to, we want to um, really have a life that from a worldly perspective seems successful. But how do we really quantify that spiritually? How do we really measure that spiritually? You know, because what is successful in the eyes of the world really is can be unsuccessful in the eyes of God. Because you can gain a whole bunch of stuff. But if you have if you have a a life that is absent or void from a relationship of God, you really have nothing. And so we know that this leadership perspective that Solomon is trying to get us to understand is that the gathering of stuff, um, you know, it, it really means absolutely nothing. In this world, gentlemen, we have heard the phrase that um, knowledge is power, right? We've all heard that phrase, knowledge is power, right? But actually, that phrase is not 100 percent accurate. That phrase is really 50% accurate because knowledge alone is simply the acquisition or the gathering of information, right? That's what you, when we're in this space this morning, we're walking through the book of Ecclesiastes. What we're doing is we're, we're gaining knowledge. We're gaining information. But what is powerful is the application of the information in which we've acquired. So I can I can come in here and hear um, God's word. But if I don't apply it to my everyday life, then I am just a shell of the man that God has called me to be. And so the leadership perspective that that Solomon, he shows us and he teaches us that, man, listen, you know, uh, the pursuit of, of, of fulfillment of these earthly pleasures it means nothing without God. And so his conclusion is this, that he wants us to understand that the, the acquisition of temporary and temporal things really can still lead us to a life that is unfulfilled. And that's the truth. And I, I'm going to be honest. I've lived in my life and I've had a lot of stuff. And, and having stuff with no God is really having nothing at all. And, and so that's the leadership perspective from a spiritual lens, from a spiritual standpoint, is that we have to understand that, you know, life can leave us unfulfilled even when we have a lot of stuff. 
So what is this truth? We know this truth that God is the exclusive source of all meaning and fulfillment in this life. Solomon, he couldn't find anything uh, of value apart from living a life of obedience. And that's tough. I'll be honest because, man, for I don't know about you, but I'm a grinder. I'm a hustler in a good sense. All right, let me just say that, make sure I get. All right, and so, uh, you know, I'm make sure I'm like, Dave, who do you got in here, bro? And so, but I'm a gospel hustler, right? And so, um, but, but I'm a go-getter, right? I, I'm, a, I'm a go-getter. I, I want to make sure that my family is taken care of. I want to make sure that my boys, you know, are taken care of. I want to be able to uh, um, work hard and leave a legacy for my family. But at the end of the day, if I gather a lot of stuff and my kids don't know who Jesus is, if I gather a lot of stuff and people don't see Christ through me or in me, I've really, I've really obtained nothing. So as we kind of go through this journey, I want to share a leadership principle that we find is that, you know, we got to just simply fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. When, 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 when Solomon starts off and he uses this phrase, you know, uh, living this life, you know, under the sun, under the sun. I know you guys know this already in chapter one. He's really just talking about while you're here on earth, what are you going to do with what you have? While you're here on earth, what are you going to do with the life that you've acquired? We live in a world right now where there is, I mean, unless you're, you're under a rock, right? We live in a world right now where there's so much divisive rhetoric. There's so much craziness that's going on in our world. There's so much media propaganda that's creating these unhealthy narratives in our culture. And when, my question for all of us, in particular the, the men in this room, when are there going to be, when is it going to be a remnant of men that will stand up and proclaim the uncompromising word of God as their position number one and let everything else follow suit. Amen. Right? And that's what we have to do. We have to recognize that we are called to be men of valor. We are, we are called to be men of God. We're called to live a life of obedience, and we've called to surrender our lives to the Lord in a very real and relevant way. And in a spiritual sense, in a spiritual sense, we need to understand this principle. The more we give up, the more we gain. Right? In this world, it is the more we gain, the more successful we are. But in God's eyes, the more we're willing to give up and we kind of got this like, God, you know, not my will, but your will be done attitude. It is at that point that we gain so much success and we gain so much a sense of purpose. And so we want to look here, if you would, at Ecclesiastes uh, 8 and just a couple of passages. I know that you guys are going to kind of walk through it throughout the, um, the, the month, but just kind of want to look at a couple of passages here beginning in, um, in chapter 8, and we'll start at verse 2. We'll just go to the verse 2 and 5 you see right there. And it says this. He says, Obey the king's commandment. I say, because you took on, you took an oath before God. It says, do not be in a hurry to leave the king's presence. Do not stand up for a bad cause, for he will do whatever he pleases. I love that. So he says, listen, don't, don't stand up for a bad cause. You got to submit and surrender your life to God because he's going to do, the Lord your God is going to do whatever he wants to do. Let me just pause for a call right here. So I'll try to guess, I'm saying, the Lord doesn't need your permission to be God. 
Right, like he doesn't, I mean, he really doesn't need to have a business meeting with you and, you know, um, kind of consult with you to see, is it okay if I am the sovereign, omnipotent, omnipresent, all-knowing, all-loving God, right? And so he says that, he says, since a king's word is supreme, who can say to him, what are you doing? Whoever obeys his command will come to no harm, and the wise heart will know the proper time and procedures. I love how Solomon just kind of, you know, drops that in there. He's, and he's basically saying, hey, man, listen, if you want to if you want to live a life full of purpose, you got to be a man who is going to understand your life has to be a life of obedience. And so so there are two themes that we know that are here in chapter eight, two themes that you will discuss and kind of walk through. And the theme number one is the theme of wisdom. It is wise for you and I to be men who will say, hey, you know what, um, God, you know what, I'm going to obey your command. I'm, I'm, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. Let me just tell you, I didn't want to move here to, Atlanta, I mean, to Orlando. I had a great life in, or, in Atlanta. I had community. I was a part of an incredible church. I had an office with a bathroom in it, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, and uh, I, I enjoyed my time. I lived in an incredible community. We had a beautiful home. You know, um, I had a great relationship with my pastor. You know, there was nothing for me. I mean, it, there was no reason for me to leave. Actually, our, elder, our elders, um, they wrote in our bylaws, and it was already kind of set that the succession plan in our church would be that when my pastor retired, I would pastor our church. So there was no reason for me to leave. And so when I got the opportunity to, um, to, to be here or to have... Um, the job here at SLU, you know, I came down because, you know, you're supposed to do it. in the Christian world. What you do is you say, OK, somebody offers you a job. You say, you know what? I'll pray about it. Right. <laughs> or and, and because our vice president was a dear friend, I said, man, you know, he's like, hey, can you come down and um, just, you know, talk me, bring your wife down. Let's talk. Let's kind of see what the Lord wants to do. So I'd already made up in my mind that I'm going to stay. But a free trip to Orlando. Who wouldn't want to do that, right? This is the home of Mickey Mouse, right? Mickey is the real mayor here in uh, Orlando. And so we came down. I brought my wife down. And I also, and gentlemen, let me just tell you, my wife has the gift of discernment. And, and um, she doesn't mind me using her to throw her under the bus. So what my plan was, my plan was I was going to get down here and, um, and we were going to interview with our vice president. And, you know, and I was going to go back home and say, man, I would love to come down, but my wife just ain't feeling it, right? And, you know, and happy wife, happy life, you know, that kind of whole deal. You know, I, I, you know I, was, I was ready. So we come down, we do the interview, and um, uh, we have dinner with his wife and, and uh, vice president's wife and, and my wife. We all went out, get back to the hotel room, and uh, I take a shower. I come back, and my wife is sitting on the bed, and she's crying. Now, guys, you know, I've been married over two decades, and I have learned that you, you don't speak right away, right? With a moment like that, you don't, you don't speak. So I come out, my wife's sitting on the bed, she's crying. So the first thing I'm doing is I'm going through my mental Rolodex. Did I do something wrong? Like, what did you do? What did you say? What type of apology? And what am I going to have to buy because of it? You know, and so, um, so I say, hey, what's wrong? And she says, I think that this is where the Lord wants us to be. 
And I was like, no. I was like, woman, I brought you here so I could throw you under the bus so we can go back to Atlanta and live our comfortable life. But in God, God has not called us to live in comfort. He's called us to live out our calling, right? And so, so we prayed and the Lord said, hey, I know everything is comfortable and good. And now I'm going to send you to a place that is very much outside of your comfort zone. So your dependence is not on your status or your stuff. Your dependence is not on your, ind your own individual accolades or what you've done or the relational equity you have built. Your, your true dependence is on me 100%. And, and it, it has been a faith journey, guys, that has really changed the trajectory of my life in the last two years. And so Solomon here in chapter eight is really trying to get us to understand these two themes, one of wisdom and then the other of understanding the mystery of God. And understand the mystery of God is understand that we'll never understand the mystery of God, right? And so we look at this first theme of wisdom. Wisdom, um, he tells us, it is wise for us as men to obey God. And that's real elementary, but it really is hard for us to do. Because as men, we have this natural inclination that, you know, we want to fix it. We go into fix it mode, right? Your kids tell you to do something, uh, something's wrong, you want to fix it. You know, your wife is hurting, you want to fix it. You know, things aren't happening at your churches or at your business. You, your, your natural inclination is to fix it. But really, wisdom for us is obeying and knowing God as our Savior and Lord. Knowing him for ourselves, having an authentic relationship with him is how we gain wisdom. Anything outside of that is fleshly and it has no substance and no sustainability. And so the, the first theme that he talks about is he says, hey, we have to be men of wisdom. We have to be wise, and what wisdom means in Solomon's definition is simply obeying the commands of God. But then he also talks about the second thing, which is the mystery. What is the mystery? The mystery is found in truth that even wisdom doesn't answer big questions, right? I, I love this. I wrote a couple things down. Let me go back to, to uh, the wisdom. I, I wrote a couple things down. Wisdom, if you're taking notes, um, the reason for wise living is, is threefold. Number one. We know that he keeps, when he keeps his commandments, we experience no harm. So that's when we obey God and we know God, we keep his commandments and, it, and Solomon says we, we receive no harm. And then um, the second thing we understand for wisdom and knowledge he talks about is that for every matter, there's a time and there's judgment. So we know that, you know, with wisdom, we keep his commands, we experience no harm. Then with wisdom, we understand for every matter there is a time and judgment. But then the third thing we recognize is that we have no power over the spirit to retain the spirit. And what he's basically saying right here is like, hey, I, I know that you're, you're in the gym. I know you're running. You're taking care of yourself. Those are good things as men. We need to take care of ourselves. But no one knows the time or day when we're going to take our last breath. And so we live our lives understanding that death is inevitable. We don't fear it. And we... But recognize we can't prevent it, we can't hold it off, and we don't get to decide when it happens. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom is giving up so that you can gain a lot, right? And so, so he talks about that with wisdom. But then when he talks about the, the mystery, 
he understands that there are some things, some big questions that even in our wisdom of obeying God, we can't understand what's going on. I remember about seven years ago, um, I lost my dad, my grandmother, and my 21-year-old nephew was murdered all in eight days. And, and so for me, I had to, as the pastor of our family, do uh, the eulogy for all three. And, and I had to also, you know, reconcile that in my own emotions. And I also had to minister to my mom and love my mom. My mom and dad dated all throughout high school and got married two, year, two weeks after high school. And so this was the only man, man that she ever knew. And this, he was the love of her life. And then she had to bury her mother. And our mother was, our, her, my grandmother was the rock of our family. And then the tra having to deal with the tragedy of my, my nephew who had just turned 21 30 days prior of him being just brutally murdered. Eight days. And I'll be honest with you, I was kind of angry with God. I'm being honest. I, I, I was a little... I was a little salty with God, and I was like, God, if you're so awesome, if you're such this loving God, why, that's the big question we always ask, is why would you let this happen? And what I had to learn is that in this life of faith, there are things that are going to happen that we're not going to be able to wrap our mind around, nor will we be able to understand, but it does not nullify the sovereignty of God. And so, so Solomon is helping us to understand that in chapter 8, one of the grand narratives that he's talking about, one of the major themes is understanding that we will never be able to understand the great mystery of God. Because we'll ask, when for, for you're talking about these big questions, there's two big questions that a lot of us have asked, I'm sure, at least I know I have. Uh, and number one is, why are the deeds of the wicked seemingly soon forgotten? Why is it that, you know, it seems like um, the deeds of the wicked, it's just like, oh, and then our bad deeds seems to hover over us. And then the second question, you know, we often ask is why do uh, the bad things have to happen to good people and why does it seem that good things happen to bad people? All right, I, don't know, I, I know I'm not the only one who asked that question. And, and so Solomon is, is trying to help us to understand that, in this life, if we're going to obey all of God's commandments, not some, see, we don't get the opportunity as believers to cherry pick what, which one of God's commandments we want to we wanna believe in. He says all, all is all, right? You know, and so you got to obey all of his commandments because not obeying all of his commandments is like having faith with a backup plan. And what that means is that, hey, God, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to obey you. But just in case something comes my way that I ain't feeling it, then, hey, I'm going to go and handle it myself because I don't understand the mysteries of God. So, so Solomon's saying, hey, no, you got to understand that, that there are going to be some things that are going to happen in life that you're not going to understand. There are some big questions. You know, I mean, I know for all of us, you know, uh, Dave and I had an opportunity to talk about some of the, the crazy stuff that I have endured, you know, in my life, even from, a, you know, uh, trying to be a, a component of racial reconciliation within, even, within the evangelical community. And it's been tough. And so, so there are some questions that, that we have. So he tried to get us to understand the, the mystery of God. But here is the truth, and we're going to get ready to, to land this plane because I know we got to see, I should never give a preacher a microphone. And, uh, and so, all right, 
Uh, tell me, all right, so we, so we got this truth. It says this. He says, live for the moment and know there is more out there than what, what meets the eye, basically. There's more than what you see. And so here's what I want to kind of leave with you today. There's, at Student Leadership University, we always talk to our students about real leaders learn how to rise above a spirit of mediocrity and be excellent in all things. And if you're going to rise above a spirit of mediocrity, you've got to rise above uh, four quick things. So I want to give them to you for notes and then talk through them really fast. But if you're going to be a wise man who lives within the mystery of God and understand there's so much that you don't know, you got to be willing to rise above four things. Number one, really quickly, you got to rise above your carnal self. You got to get out of your own way. And you got to submit and surrender your life to, to the Lord at all costs. But then number two, you got to rise above the crowd. You can't allow, you know, the propaganda, the negative rhetoric or what is going on in culture to determine what you do, where you go or how you live. The beginning of your conversation, the beginning of your narrative, the genesis of how you respond is based on your biblical uh, convictions, your theological convictions, not your political affiliations or associations or even, you know, your cultural position. No, we are all starting as men of God. Right. And then you got to rise above your circumstances in this life. You're going to have 99 problems, but serving God should never be one of them. Living a life of obedience should never be one of them. So we got to rise above our situations, excuse me, our circumstances because stuff is going to happen. When, when Solomon talks about those mysteries of why do things happen, hey, there are circumstances going to have. You got to rise above your circumstances and you got to rise above the criticism. You got to rise above the criticism. So you take it seriously, but you never take it personally. Because when you know who you are and you know who you're called to live for, you know who you're called to obey, that's what matters more than anything else. And so my challenge for everyone in this room is to live a life on purpose, to live a life where you, you understand what it means to be a man who is wise, what it means to be a man to live in within the mysteries of God. And if you understand what it means to be wise, then what will happen is you will in turn have godly focus. OK, I'm in there. Sorry. And so uh, uh, you would know what it means to have godly focus. You would know what it means to really be faithful and you will know what it means and what it takes to have the stamina to finish. It's my challenge for all of us in here is don't just live, live on purpose. Don't just exist, but exist with a wise disposition. Don't have faith with a backup plan, but have the type of faith that says, Lord, even though I don't understand it, I trust you, I will live for you, I will serve you, and I will give my life to you. That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> Grateful for you guys, God bless you. What an incredible opportunity it has been to be with you guys. Thank you all so much for, for having me here. And thank you so much for what you do. And thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of this brotherhood. God bless you.